0: Two weeks ago, our memory verse was a short one. It was verse four, and these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. I want you to notice as John is talking with them, he begins by saying, let me explain to you why I wrote this. Let me explain to you why you're reading this. He says, I want you to know that you can have full joy. You can have full-blown joy. Now, notice John said he was writing these things because he wanted them, in verse 3, to have fellowship with the Father and with his Son or through his Son, Jesus Christ. Now, that's really important for us to think about this morning. So, let me ask you this question as we begin, and that is, why then don't we experience full-blown joy? Today, are you experiencing full joy? Today, if you have received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, are you experiencing full-blown joy? You see, as we begin to look at the Scriptures, it's important we just back up for a moment and think about what John is telling us. You know, the, the key to having full joy is not, let me move this up just a little bit so it doesn't bother you, the the key to having full-blown joy is not found in work. You know, God designed work. God designed us to work. God designed us to be able to work. In fact, work was something God gave to us literally before we ever sinned. So when people go, oh, it's the daily grind, I've got to go into work, they've missed the point. God gave us work to enjoy. That's right, guys, we love to dig in. Ladies, we love to dig in and get things done. When my mom, before she got cancer, would come to our house, she loved to clean. And you either had to know that about my mom or you could be offended because when mom would come, after a little bit, she'd be looking around. She'd go, well, I could do this. Could I clean your oven for you? Could I, could I do this? Could I do that? Now, she wouldn't do it to you if she walked into your home, but into my home, she would. And Cindy was like, yeah, great. Go for it. Do, it, do whatever you'd like. My mom was like a house of fire. She loved to work. She loved to clean. We meet guys who love to work and they, they throw themselves into work and they can work a lot more hours than even what they need to. You need to understand that's something that God built into us because work is supposed to be joyful. Now, work went south when we sinned, okay? Sorry to all the Southerners. Of course, I guess we're in South Fargo, so I guess we're Southerners too. But um, work went south. Remember, he said all of a sudden, now there's going to be thorns. Now you're going to have to work by the sweat of your brow. Now it's going to be different, which tells us something. Do you know in eternity... When we have the new heaven and new earth, we are going to enjoy working. You're not going to just sit around on a cloud all day. You're not going to sit around strumming a harp all day. I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing all the cool things, experiencing all that God has for us, learning all kind of new things that right now my brain just doesn't comprehend. I'm going to be smart in heaven. You wait and see. You see, all of a sudden, we've got all these things to look forward to. But you know what? Work does not bring full joy. Some people try to do that. They try to immerse themselves in it. Maybe you've tried doing that. I've got a secret for you. It's not going to work. You're not going to get full joy by work. Some people think it's the stuff we have. Houses. If I could just get this bigger house. Cindy and I regularly are driving through Fargo and West Fargo just to get to see where the neighborhoods are and to get to see where there would be people that maybe we could reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I came across a section the other day. I was going by Eddie and Annie's place. And then I went down some roads and I wasn't even certain how to get back into that. And Cindy was actually gone the first time I did it. And I drove back there and she said, well, where are you? Because we were on the phone talking. And I said, you know, I know where I am, but I'm not even certain I can tell you how to get here right now. I've got to figure out how to do that. And there were some amazing houses where I was. But you know what? Those houses don't bring you joy. They're handy to live in. I, I'm th- so thrilled for the house that we get to live in. But the reality is, it, it is just a house. And that doesn't bring me joy. You know, things that move are fun. But they don't bring us joy. Whether it be a car or a plane or a boat or a motorcycle or a snow machine or any a- I think I love just about everything that moves. It's fun to try to get on them. But the reality is that doesn't bring me joy. Things you can hunt with. I really like guns. I'm really crummy with bows. You know, all the different things. But those don't bring joy either. And notice what John is saying. John says, I'm writing these things. Which things? The things that he's about to tell us all about. He said, I'm writing these things so that you can have full joy. John said, this message was so important for you to have full joy. So what is that message which is so important? Well, he tells us, first of all, joy comes from fellowship, which finds its source in God through Jesus Christ. You cannot know God without Jesus Christ remember what Jesus said if you've seen me you've seen the father but if you didn't see Jesus if you didn't know Jesus if you haven't come to know who he is you can't know the father so this is really important stuff and he's reminding these people because he's saying real joy comes from fellowship remember he says I've written these things so that he says uh, I declare unto you so that you also can have fellowship with us. And then he says, but truly our fellowship comes from God the Father through Jesus Christ. So what do we really find? Our fellowship today with each other. And I love being together. This is, this is the highlight of my week. I enjoy being with you. And when you're gone, it always makes me happy when I see you when you come back. And all of a sudden we begin realizing, but what gives us fellowship? What do you have in common with a guy from Indiana? Not a whole lot. What do you have in common with a guy that lived in Charleston, South Carolina? Not a whole lot. Maybe some of you have been there. Maybe you haven't been. But you see, it's not, well, maybe you say, well, it's because you drive a convertible and I drive a convertible and that's what we have in common. Well, maybe a few of you, but not very many. Some of you cut the tops off your car and that's how you get your convertible. But, you know, the reality is... What gives us fellowship? What brings us together? And our fellowship is just a small microcosm of fellowship that has to come from God. And the only way we have fellowship with God is through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at verse five together. And I want you to notice he says, this then is the message which we have heard of him. Now, I'm gonna pause there for just a moment because I'm gonna guess we can very easily skip right through what I just said and go, yeah, okay, so get to the message. What is the message? What I want you to notice is he says, this then is the message which we have heard of him. Who is the him? Jesus Christ. You know what John is telling you? This is not something that I knew intuitively. This is not something that I would pick up on my own. This is something that I had to get when I heard him. When I saw him, when I examined him, remember that first verse? He says, These are the things that Jesus taught. And so today, as we're looking at this, John is telling us, I didn't know this. The other apostles didn't know this. We would not have known this except Jesus told us. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. John is about to tell us something. And he's not saying, you know, I think maybe this is the way it is. You know, I, I hope, you know, I, I'm, kind of, I'm kind of certain that, that this is what you need to hear. You notice the, the confidence that he says, this then is the message which we have heard of him and what? Declare unto you. He's saying positively, absolutely, you need to know this. And I'm positive this is exactly the truth because where did he hear it from? from Jesus Christ. So he's just talked about your joy being full. What would you expect him to do? You would expect him to talk about you. How can you be happy? You're not even in the next verse. Notice what he says. He says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. I would submit to you, joy always starts with God. And this morning, if you are looking for joy anywhere else but in God, you're going to be severely disappointed. Now, we can say that to people who do not know God. We wouldn't say it like this. We would just say, look, there's no joy outside of God. But what else? Who is he talking to? He's talking to believers. Do believers ever get distracted and look for joy other places other than Jesus Christ? Guilty. Guilty. It's easy to look at other places, to look to other things, to look to houses, things that move, work, even people, church, And he says, the primary focus always has to begin with God. You know, even when we witness, when we tell people about this amazing gift of salvation, do you know the reality is, where do you start? You don't start with, you're a sinner. What's the context? So, who says? What is sin? Who gets to make the decision on sin? I mean, aren't those all things that would go through your mind if someone's shaking their finger? You broke the law. Who says? North Dakota says you can only drive 110 on the interstate. If you drive more than that, you're violating the peace and the sanctity and whatever of North Dakota. Who knows? Who gets to say that? Well, the authority gets to say that. You see... If we begin our witnessing by trying to tell them something about themselves, we've missed the whole point. Notice what John does? This is the message which we've heard of Jesus Christ, and we declare unto you that who's the focus, first of all? God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Joy always starts with God. What's the focus? What's the center of this message? God the set, the focus of the message isn't you only live once in life better make it good make yourself happy the focus of this is God you know as i began thinking about this concept let's think about some really key verses often you go to a sports game and what verse do you see pop up on signs john 316 all right even people who don't know the scriptures no John 3:16. I don't know what it says, but whatever it is, someone's holding a sign this is John 3:16. What's the focus of John 3:16? God. For God so loved the world that He gave his only begotten Son. You see the focus? Until you know God, salvation doesn't mean much to you. Until you understand God, you won't understand the condition you're in. Until you know God, you don't understand yourself. And so he goes on and he says, let's think about Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created. All of a sudden, what's the focus? You've got to look up before you can understand this, right? Right? How about John 1, 1 John 1, 1? That which was from the beginning. Who's he talking about? Who's the that? Jesus Christ. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. I mean, so John is talking about that he got to see Jesus Christ. How about John 1, 1? In the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was you see the whole focus is about god it's not about you it's not about me let's just look at 1 john chapter 2 verse 1 my little children these things have i written unto you that ye may sin not if any man sin we have an advocate what's the whole point the whole point was not like oh i've sinned no we all get that i mean i know i do wrong I know I violate the law. I mean, it doesn't even take the scriptures to teach me that. I can violate North Dakota's laws. I can violate Fargo's laws. But what's the point? He's saying, if, since, we sin, what's the real, what's the real encouraging point there? Are we all really encouraged this morning to say, you know, if any man sinned, oh, thanks. Boy, that was really an encouragement today. I could have stayed at home and known that. What's the thing we really want to know? We have an advocate. And who is the advocate? What's it say in chapter 2, verse 1? It is Jesus Christ, the the righteous. It's Jesus Christ, the righteous. You could go to chapter 3, and in chapter 3, behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Where's the focus? It's on God. All of a sudden, when you kind of back up and you start looking around the room, you begin realizing it's all about God. When we see God, when we begin to notice God, we now can begin to focus on how to have real joy. You see, the gospel always starts with God. Trouble always starts when we focus on us. My needs, my desires, my happiness... And to be honest with you, I don't even know what, what really is going to make me happy. I've told you before, you know, I thought a shotgun would make me happy until I stumbled and chipped the gun butt. And it's like, ah, I worked so hard for this gun and now it's damaged. What about a car? And I told you about The fact that, boy, I had this really cool 1967 Ford Galaxy that was old when I got it, so you don't think I'm that old. I had this old car, but the thing was, it was in immaculate condition. It had been so taken care of that the paint was beginning to be thin because it had been waxed so often. And then my dad said I had to loan it to somebody, and they might scratch it all of a sudden you begin to realize joy doesn't come with stuff. Stuff is fun, but joy doesn't come with stuff. You know, the reality is joy begins with God. But I would like to give you a second thing to consider here, and that is joy comes when we accept what God says about himself. Look at verse 5 again. That which we have seen and heard, this then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. Maybe you've grown up in a situation where you would say, I know all about God. I know God. Oh yeah, there's never been a time when I haven't known God. God, I've always been one of God's. And then you begin talking with people and they begin saying, you ask them questions about God, and they go, you know, I don't understand why God allows this to happen. I understand why God allows this to happen. Why is it that bad things are happening? Why is it that? And you know what the problem is? It's all about, why did this happen to me? So we need to find out what do we know about God until we accept what God says about himself. How can we enjoy him? If God is so good, why does he allow this to happen? If God is so powerful, why does he allow these things to happen? A week ago, I got to see my new grandson. And he's a little bit of nothing at this point. Eats. Sleeps. Not a whole lot more. Cries. And and babies have... A couple rules, but really the main rule for the baby is this. If something happens to the baby, it's not his fault. So, when little Benji cries, maybe he poked himself in the eye. He doesn't know whose hand that is, but somebody's hand poked him in the eye. Or he turns over and he hits his head on something and he starts crying. And we would look at it and go... (laughs) Well, you poked yourself in the eye. He would always say, no, refer to rule one. And that is, whatever happens to me is not my fault. It's your fault. You know, so often that's the way we live our lives. We love the freedoms that God's given to us. We love the autonomy to make decisions, to live the way we want. And when things go wrong, we always refer to rule one. If anything happens to me that I don't like, it's not my fault. When the reality is, what is God saying? Jesus Christ, this is the message that Jesus Christ gave to the disciples. And the message is this. He said, if you want fellowship, if you want to have fellowship with God, if you want to have full joy, you begin by saying, what do I know about God? God is light. John gives this clear picture of him. You see, joy comes when we recognize the holiness of God. I've so enjoyed the Bible study I got to do over at a retirement home. And the very first study that we did was on God is holy. I didn't present the gospel. All I did was present who God was. Because when we know who God is, it then moves us immediately to the incredible gift of the gospel. But until you recognize who God is, the gift means nothing. You don't know why you need it. So how is our joy to be full? Remember, God is light. I enjoyed this quote. Darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. We don't start with God's power or God's greatness or his knowledge, any of those omnis, omnipresent, omnipotent, omniscient. We don't start with the omnis. What do we do? We don't even start with his love. We start with God's holiness because God's holiness is the foundation for all the other things. God's holiness is the foundation for what we as a church will be. If we don't start with God's holiness, but we start with God as love, what do you do? You end up having a church service that doesn't look anything like God. You have a church service that looks like the people you're trying to reach. It's all about God's holiness. Before we focus on anything else, we begin with the fact that God is pure. God is holy. Isn't it fascinating? The book of Hebrews tells us, follow peace with all men and holiness without which you won't see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What's the only way that we're going to see God? By being holy. Oh. Why is my life so disjointed? Why don't things go well? Why am I unhappy? Why am I not fulfilled? Why don't I have a relationship with God the way that I should? Why do I keep trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and never make it to where... I don't know, when I die, will I go to heaven? I hope so. Why is that? Because we've missed the most important thing. God is holy. He says, because I'm holy, I want you to be holy. Now, that's not a hammer that's driving down on you. That makes me recognize, look, I'm a sinner. I'm not holy. But until I recognize that, there's no big deal with my sin. It's only when I recognize that God is light that God is pure, then we begin to recognize, oh, you remember what he says? He says, I want you to worship me in the beauty of holiness. We worship God in the beauty of holiness. I've been, as we've been going through this constitution stuff, I've been wrestling with a lot of different things and some things that I wanted, I thought, you know, we ought to put this in there. And then there are other, and then I read a lot of people's documents and like, say, well, maybe that shouldn't be in there. And I called couple pastor friends this week and I said how come we never read about this doctrine in a Constitution in fact how come I never read this doctrine and one man a couple of them said I don't know I don't know it's a whole new thought and one man said well it's because the thing you're asking about is rooted in God's holiness the beauty of music is rooted in the beauty of our Creator therefore music ought to reflect the beauty of God's holiness It's rooted in God's holiness. It's not rooted in my opinions. It's not rooted in your opinions. It's rooted in what our God is like. Holiness is the only way we can ever understand salvation. Without the shed blood, God cannot forgive and still be holy and still be righteous. You see, if God is just love, he would look at what you've done and go, okay, I forgive you. But God can't do that because... The only way God can always be love and be supremely loving is he has to be totally sinless. Otherwise, it would be based on selfishness. God is holy. And because God is holy, he must always be just. He cannot say, I'll give you a pass, but you are in serious trouble. He can't do that. He wouldn't be just, would he? He couldn't give you a pass and nail me. No, everyone of all have fallen short of God's Standard of righteousness, of God's holiness. And so he says, look, he says, God is light and any fellowship I have with him must be based on that, that God is holy. Knowing that God is holy keeps me from believing the lie that God is to blame and God is to be criticized for all the troubles that are going on around me. When I know God, I can't say, well, why did God allow that accident to happen? As if, to say God blew it you see the lie has always been God is not holy think of Genesis chapter 3 when Satan came to Adam and Eve and what did he say did God really mean this was God really being kind when he says you can't have of this the fruit of this tree when really God was holding out on you what was he saying there's darkness in God There's specks of selfishness in God. There's specks of wrong in God. And that is always at the heart of what's going on in our lives all the time. Why do I want to look at pornography? Why do I want to have wrong relationships? Why do I lie? Why do I, why do I, why do I? Because I believe that God is not holy. And I need this to be happy. When God says, oh, if we'll walk in the light as he is in the light, what? We're going to have fellowship. We're going to have joy. You see, we've met together today to enjoy the fact that God's given us the path for for enjoying life. You know, the joy is, look at verse 5 again. He says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Let me go back to verse 3. The things that... We have seen and heard, declare we unto you, that ye may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. What is the promise of fellowship? It is not promising fellowship in heaven. It's promising fellowship now. You, here's the incredible news. You can have fellowship with God now. You can have fellowship with God today. On this earth, in this body, you can have fellowship with God that brings incredible encouragement to us today only when we start with fellowship with holiness can we understand fellowship so god's telling us to examine ourselves are you functioning by the body of faith doctrine that he's given to us are we looking at this and saying oh this is what God is like this is what he wants me to be like so Satan's lies when I understand that God is light God is holy it changes the way I look at everything else oh I wish I could say oh boy once I got a hold of this concept no problem I never sinned again that would yet be adding to the lies that I've already told The only path to true joy and fellowship is the holiness of God. These things write we unto you that your joy may be full. So let me come back to one of the questions we talked about at the beginning. How full is your joy today? Now, don't bristle, please. I'm not trying to do a gotcha. In fact, what I'm hoping to do is to help you walk through a doorway that we often, out of pride and often out of any number of reasons, are afraid to walk through and we don't admit the door's even there. And that is, how full is your joy today? If you want your life to be full of joy, you need to start kind of going through and looking for everything that's false, everything that's a lie, and you want to chuck that out. Because what do we know? God is light. Would you turn to James chapter 1 with me, please? True joy comes when we remember that God is holy. As you're looking for James chapter 1, I'm going to begin reading at verse 16. Let me just quote to you. Interestingly enough, here's a quote from Plato. Plato says, we can easily forgive a child who's afraid of the dark. The real tragedy of life is when men are afraid of the light. Are you believing some lie about God today? I'm going to guess everyone's going to say no. I I would just assume that because if you knew you were believing a lie, then obviously, well, I'm can't say for everybody but i would assume every y'all look reasonably intelligent you would go of course i'm not believing a lie so what are some lies about god today that satan may be using to steal your joy and in fact to steal the fellowship even with a group are you believing today that some darkness is good Are there some things maybe that you're involved in that you wouldn't want anyone here to know about? I don't even know what you're talking about, and I'm going to suggest that's darkness. Why would I even think that you would do that? (laughs) Because I do that, and I'm a people. Satan would have you believe that God has some blemish, that God is holding out on you, that God is unfair, that something in God's word does not apply to you because if you only knew the circumstances, if God really knew the circumstances, God would never ask you to do that. But the reality is God is holy. He never makes a mistake. He never does something out of unkindness. Everything he does is for your Good, but remember, God is holy, and therefore he cannot look on evil. He can't tolerate evil. And he's just, which means he won't overlook evil. But the wonderful thing that we then recognize is because God is those two things, he can also be loving, and God sees our need today, and he reaches out to each of us, and he loves us, and because he's so loving, he made a way that you could be saved. And that is through Jesus Christ. He came and paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could not pay. And we needed someone else other than ourselves to wash our sins away. Now you're at James chapter one. Read with me please. Verse 16, follow along as I read. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Why is he saying that? Because we err. It's easy for us to believe this. He says, verse 17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. God never changes. Every good thing is from God. Every good thing is from God. Are you picking up on that? Every good thing that you've ever experienced is from God. And the only thing Satan does is Satan will take something that God designed for us, for good, and he'll twist it so that we think he will pervert it, which means to twist it, to take it off the path, to make us think that it's okay to do this the wrong way. And then you lose the blessing of the goodness of it. My heart breaks when I see people all around us. What do we see? Let's just. I I try to read conservative news, and then I read liberal news so that I understand what people are thinking. But when I read even conservative news, and I look at the pictures that they're putting on, and I look at how people are thinking that the way they will be accepted in life is to take their clothes off. And what did God do? After sin, God said, Oh, let me give you a blessing. And what did He do? He gave them clothes. What's what's Satan causing the world to believe today? The less clothes you wear, the better it gets. And the reality is, oh, Satan has twisted the good gift of God and made it seem like a bad thing. All of a sudden we just start looking at the world around you, think about all the good things. God has blessed us with relationships. What did he tell him? He said, look, he said, I've made man and I've made woman. I've made you too unique. I've made you special. And so what today, what are we struggling with? We're struggling with gender identity. God made a mistake. At the heart of God made a mistake is God's not holy. God can't be righteous. I don't know if I'm male. I don't know if I'm female. Well, I can understand people get... They, they begin to struggle the lies begin to build up but the reality is god didn't make a mistake with you i don't know if i'm attracted to male or i don't know if i'm attracted to female you know i just don't know Well, what do we know as soon as you lose your sight of god any of those things are possible i don't look down you know we as a church this is not a political issue this is a loving issue We love people and we know people are caught in sin because you know what, I get caught in sin and I am still, I'm one that has been blessed with God's goodness and I've seen God's word in my life. We love people but the reality is every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of pure light. There's no darkness in him. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. True fellowship comes by knowing God. And the way we know God is through Jesus Christ. And we can only know Jesus Christ through the word. How do we know God? Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by you'll never know God until you know Jesus Christ. Joy comes when we start with God. Could I encourage you? There's no better place to start when we pray than praising God. I am so quick to jump right in and tell God all the stuff that's going wrong. And I miss The whole joy of it. Father, thank you for being holy today. That there's no sin in you. So you're completely trustworthy. You know, I'm trustworthy as long as there's no sin in my life. Oops. So I come back to the question I asked you. How full is your joy today? Is there something in your life where you have believed a lie about God and you're doing something that you don't want anybody else to know about? That's going to be your first clue. That's probably a lie about God and that's probably sin because I don't want anyone else to know. Satan would have you to believe that living any way you want is fine for fellowship with God which leads us to our memory verse for today. Would you look at verse six with me? If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. We're deceiving ourselves this morning. So the, the thing by the authority of what Jesus Christ has said this morning that I tell you is, if you know Jesus Christ is your savior, And you know there's sin that you're tolerating in your life. First of all, please understand you're believing a lie. That's not for your good. And there is something that God has that's better than the lie you're believing. Because Satan's not creative. He's had to steal something from God and just pervert it, taint it. So if you're wanting something... Go back and learn from God and you'll see there's something better than that sin that you're hanging on to. That's the message we have to give. God is good. God is light. For Maybe some this morning who've never received Jesus Christ as their Savior. And you're thinking, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to do good works. I'm going to do all these different things and I'm going to impress God and God's going to let me into heaven one day. Bible says, there is, in in the entirety of the world, there's not a just man that doeth good and sinneth not. In the entirety of the world, there's never been a man like that. And then he says, because all of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God, he says what we earn because of our sin is separation from God, which means everything that's good. Do you know, if you go to hell, there will be no fellowship. There'll be no one that you can sit and talk with. In fact, I would submit to you that because God is the author of all joy and enjoyment, and God designed work, and God designed life to be full, when you get to hell, it will not only be eternal anguish, Awful, but it will be boring. There's nothing there to stimulate you other than the awful remembrance of all the good you have. You know, if you're on your way to hell today, this life that you're living with, all of its problems is the closest you'll ever be to heaven. And if you're on your way to heaven, This earth is the closest you'll ever get to hell. Amen. Where are you heading today?